around someone, look at them, point at them, and say, I see you over there. I see you over there. So good to see you guys. How many enjoyed your, your snow day, I guess, or our, our snow service last, last Wednesday? And uh, that was, uh, we were watching the weather, and probably nothing new for you guys, but new for me, I was just kind of like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Yeah, so I was just making sure, I want to make sure everyone's safe, but so good to see you guys tonight on this cold February evening, and uh, can you believe it's already February? I can't believe that it's already February. It's already February of 2021. We're already one month into uh, 2021, and uh, it's just, it, it kind of blows my mind. Now, we've been talking about the books, book of James, and we've been through the first three chapters, and I'm going to give you just kind of a a small review of what we talked about in the first three weeks, um, and then we skipped last week. So uh, I guess if you read James chapter 4 last week, then you, then you already know what's going on. But uh, the underlying theme in the book of James is faith that works, and that's, uh, that is what James is known for. Uh, James is not interested in how great we talk, but he's more interested how straight we walk. And how many know as children of God, it's not always, uh, it's not just about how we talk, but it's how we walk. If the world's going to see Christ in us, it's going to be through our actions and less by what we say. And everybody said, that's right. All right, good. And after establishing uh, that uh, firmly in the first two chapters of the book, he almost backs up in in chapter three. And we had a great uh, I felt like I enjoyed teaching uh, chapter 3. He almost goes back and says, you know, at first he's talking about how we walk. It's not so much what we talk. And then he comes back on chapter 3, and then he basically does the whole chapter based on the tongue. And it's not to eclipse the way we, our tongue has power, and there's life and death in our words. And they still make an impact, and, and we know that. So the tongue is likened to fire in the third chapter. And Jesus said in Matthew, I, I talked about this in Matthew 12, 34, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if it's coming out of your mouth, it's in your heart. And so uh, at some point, whatever it is, whether it's edifying, whether it's good, whether it's bad, somewhere along the way, you've allowed whatever is coming out of your mouth to come into your heart. And, uh, and so uh, Jesus said that. And so it's a reflection of what's going on inside of us. So James in chapter 4, uh, he deals with that exactly. It's, so he, go, he goes from uh, faith that works, and he's talking about how we walk. And then he turns around in chapter 3 and, and talks about how we talk and how important our words are. And then he goes into uh, the fourth chapter, and he starts talking about the condition of our heart. And so there's kind of a flow here in James. It's just not... Uh, uh, completely about our our the way that we talk, even though it's important, but it's not it's not everything. So in James chapter four, if you if you have your Bibles, and we're going to break this into uh, headings, like I like to do that. Um, James chapter four, verse one. Uh, the first po- part of this this chapter talks about drawing close to God. Uh, how many know as believers that our our goal and our desire should be to be closer to the Lord each and every day, uh, each and every moment, we should be uh, a little bit closer to the Lord. And you say, well, how do I do that? Well, each and every day, you ought to make it uh, your life's goal 
to know the Lord a little bit more each and every day. And that, how do you do that? Well, that's you get in his word. Uh, you know, I would advise you listen to some, some good podcasts, listen to uh, some sermons, worship. You know what you can do? You can have your own worship setting in your own car if you're driving around. Did you know that? And even if you're not a good singer, you can lead worship in your car and no one's going to care because it's just you leading worship loud and proud for the Lord. The Lord's going to love that. And uh, you can also pray um, each and every day. Prayer is an important part in our in our lives. So uh, James chapter 4 verse 1 says this. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they uh, come from the evil desires that war within you? Now, I just might say, I, I'll stop right there and just say this. Uh, if you're in a feud or if you're in a dispute with someone, this is a good litmus test for you. Uh, if you're upset and you and your husband or you and your wife are, are in a fight or you and a friend or you and a family member are in a fight or you and someone in the grocery store are in a fight, uh, look at this. What what causes that? Don't don't they come from evil desires that war within you? Well, why are you in the fight with someone in the grocery store? Because they got the last thing of uh, <laughs> Fresca. Okay, that's my drink, Fresca, and it's very hard to find. They were they were the last ones to get. So you're gonna fight over that because you wanted that. Okay. Uh, it really, if you look at our society right now, there's a lot of quarrels. There's a lot of fights. Why? Because people are are lobbying and they're trying to what? get their own way and and ultimately that's what James is getting at you want what you don't have so you scheme and kill to get it boy does that sound like our society you are jealous of what others have but you can't get it so you fight and wage war to take it away from them yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it um one of the things that, that I've learned and in my own life that I have to stop and I have to recognize uh, when, I, when I've caught and when, I, when the Holy Spirit gives me discernment and when I'm gossiping. <gasps> and when you're gossiping, what, what normally is happening uh, and when I'm putting others down, it's, it's because I want something that maybe that person has. You ever wonder why when we gossip, when we put others down, it's usually to try to elevate ourselves. What we're trying to do when we're gossiping to someone about someone is trying to make that person believe that, that you are some, somehow superior to the person that you're gossiping about. It, when in re reality, if we, if we take a step back, that's really what we're trying to do is just make ourselves look good on this person's behalf, Right? And so we put them down and we try to make ourselves look better. Jeremiah 17, uh, 9 says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Can I tell you something about your heart? Because of our fallen human nature, our heart is evil. It says in Jeremiah that it's desperately sick. And then he even says this, who can understand it? Who can understand a man's heart? Unfortunately, I don't care how good of a person that you think you are, there is inside of us this, uh, because of our fallen human nature, we are weak and we make mistakes. And there's, a, there's something inside of us. And, and it may not be 
the worst thing in the world. You may be like, I don't want to go murder people, and I don't want to go do this. But sometimes we gossip about people or we slander people, which is the equivalent to, I mean, if you break down the Ten Commandments, it's slander is the same thing as, as murder because you may not be murdering them physically, but you may be murdering uh, what the, their integrity and who people think, what people think about them. And so ultimately inside of us, our hearts oftentimes, uh, you know, uh, we instead of craving to pray on people, P-R-E-Y, we should crave to actually pray for people. And honestly, when you find yourself in a, in a position where you're, you're talking about someone and the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you, has anybody, has, has anybody ever had that where the Holy Spirit just stops you dead in your tracks and you're like, hey, you need to shut up, TJ. Go back to James. You need, you need to be quiet right now. That's the best thing you can do because what you're doing is not going to benefit anybody and it's not making you look good. But instead of praying on them, P-R-E-Y, we need to pray for them and, and pray to the Father for them. Um, we don't have what we want because, you know, this is what happens. My heart is deceitful when there's things that I desire. You know what? I, I have a tendency to do what I want and not what God wants. Anybody else in here? Anybody else struggle with the, 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 the dying of yourself? Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Uh, I'm deceitful. And I think this is what happens. I think I can get what I want in my own power rather than asking God. Um, have you ever done that? Just thought, man, I, well, I'm going to go do this. I am going to, uh, you know, I'm going to go see if I can get this job promotion or I'm going to go see if I can do this rather than asking God, is this really the right direction that you have for me? You know what's crazy is we would save ourselves a lot of strife and a lot of heartache if sometimes we just run that test of God, is this what you want for me? Is this the step that you want me to take or is this a step that I want to take? And knowing those two things and being discerning in our spirit, uh, we ought to pray for the discernment of the Holy Spirit each and every day. How many believe that? I believe that. And this is what he says. The other issue is I tell God what I, what I want rather than asking him what I need. This is my biggest problem right here. Hey, God, I want this. I want this. I want this. We, I treat God like Santa Claus. Lord, I've been good this year. I did this. I paid my tithe. I did this. I, I led this person to the Lord. I, you know, and I have this list. So, God, will you just reward me? Will you just bless me? Will you give me, give me, give me? Instead of saying, hey, God, what is going to be best for me, Lord? Will you just lay that out before me and help me to be content? Oh, that's a word we don't like very much. Be content with what you've given me. Help me to be a good steward of what you've put over me at this moment. And this is what God said. He said this, he'd supply my needs according to his riches and glory and not my wants or my wish list. Something to really stop and think about. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't go to God and say, hey, God, I have this desire. God said he'd give you the desires of your heart. But the key to that is, is knowing what God's desire is. It's not your desire. It's what it, he'll give you the desires of your heart if your desires are what his desires are. And there's the key. All right, verse 3 says this. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. Kind of reminds me of my kids. When they want something, sometimes their motives are wrong. If they would ask in the right motive, 
they would probably get a lot more uh, sympathy from mom and dad. But when they don't ask in the right motive, you know, as a parent, you're just kind of like, oh, no, no way, Jose, right? And so, it, it, so it says this, because your motives are all wrong, you want only what will give you pleasure. And you say, oh, TJ, I do pray, but I don't always get what I ask for. And oftentimes we pray and, and we pray uh, prayer, uh, uh, we pray because we're praying amiss. That's what I'm trying to say. We're praying amiss. Prayer is not this. It's not giving orders to God. It's not saying, hey, God, I need this, 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 this. That's, that's not prayer. We don't say, hey, God, bless my family, bless my finances, bless my future, solve all these problems. And God says, aye, aye, Captain. But oftentimes our prayer life looks like that. It really does. Prayer is saying this, Lord, what do you want to do in my life? Okay? Lord, what do you want to do in my life? Uh, I want to do what the Lord sees best for me. And honestly, that is the best way to walk. When, you, when you're walking and you, because you, there's things that the Lord knows that I don't know. Right? And he knows what's ahead of me. But I don't always know what's ahead of me, and what I think may be something that's good for me may not be something that is good for me. I'll give you an example. Uh, when Xavier was little, we went to, uh, I think it was Target, and I think Novak, or not Novak, wasn't born. Wyatt was probably about one year, he was maybe one or, or less, and Xavier was just old enough, you know, maybe two, around two years old. And we were getting the kids out of the car. Xavier was getting, I think, uh, Wyatt out. And I had gotten Xavier out, set her down beside the car. And in the process, process of trying to help Tristan get Wyatt out of the car seat and all that, uh, you know, we, we started walking into the store. And we get to the front of the store. And I look at Xavier. And she has something in her mouth. And I'm like, and I smelled something. And I said, Xavier, what do you have in your mouth? And she's just kind of like, you know, doing this. And then she, she breathes in my mouth. And, and then, I, then I smell what is in her mouth. And I'm like, you have a cough drop in your mouth. And she's like, you know, she's doing this kind of thing. And I said, where did you get that? And she says, I found TG Candy on the, on the parking lot. And in the process of helping Tristan with Wyatt, uh, with Wyatt she had reached down. She had grabbed a cough drop off of the, the parking lot that someone had probably put in their mouth and spit it out, right? And walking in the store, just, and, and then I'm like, spit it out right now. So she spits it out in my hand, and, you know, thank goodness this is all pre-COVID, and so, you know, we don't have to have a major panic attack. But I'm sitting there, and, I, and in my mind, I'm just like, this is the grossest thing ever. This is disgusting, right? Nobody goes in the parking lot, grabs a piece of, piece of something off the ground and puts it in their mouth. Just Zaylee, right? You could tell her about it a little bit later. But it's the same thing. See, as a parent, I knew that that was not good for her. Number one, it was probably somebody who had been sick and had put it in their mouth and had spit it out, most likely. Or it had been in someone's car and they'd opened their door and they had kicked it out with their foot and it's sitting there on the, on the parking lot. Just disgusting. No telling who had kicked it, who had stepped on it, and what had been there in the parking lot. Pretty gross, right? But as a parent, I know that there was a danger to eating something off of the parking lot, a cough drop at that, you know, at two years old. 
And so that's disgusting. But oftentimes we say, hey, God, we have these cough-drop moments where like, God, I know what's best for me, so I'm going to put this in my mouth. And as we're walking along, and God's like, what, what is in your mouth right now? I'm like, nothing, God. I'm just enjoying this, you know. And God's like, no, 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 you don't understand. What you want, and see, that's our nature. Our human nature is, is this. We want what, what brings us pleasure. We, we want what's going what's gonna to benefit us. But in the long run, it doesn't always benefit us. And that's what I love about God is God is omniscient. He knows everything. He knows the beginning and the end. And he knows you well enough that he is working all things for the good of them that love the Lord. But here's the key to that. The key to him working all those things to our favor is that we got to trust him and not our own nature, okay? Are you guys with me? All right. Uh, and when he doesn't answer my prayers, maybe he's saving me from something. Maybe he's saving me from grabbing a cough drop off the, off to the parking lot. Be like Jesus was in the garden. And even Jesus did this in the garden. Remember, he submitted to his father's will. Not my will, Lord, but thine. And that's the way that we should live out our lives. And, that, and, and that you're like, oh, TJ, that's so simple. But let me tell you something. That's so easy to talk about. But in the book of James, that's so hard to walk out each and every day. Because I don't know about you. I'm selfish. I want to do what I want to do. I want to I make decisions because I can make decisions. I want to make decisions because I'm an American. Right? But submitting my will to God's will oftentimes extremely tough. Verse 4 says this. I love this because James is very encouraging. You adulterers. Very encouraging, right? You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. I'm going to say it one time. No, I'm going to say it two times. Can I tell you this? And you guys know this. The world system that we live in is corrupt. Why? Because men run it. And man's heart is deceitful, right? We know that. The J Jeremiah said it's sick. And even the most honest people at times make terrible decisions. And we live in a fallen world. See, we see corruption. We see danger. We see pollution. And we see problems every day, right? All you got to do is turn on the news. Problem, 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 problem everywhere, right? And we know that. We live in a fall. The Message Bible says it like this. And it says, don't cheat with the world. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. And, and, and to understand that, what, you know, to understand what this means, we got to know who our enemy is, okay? And know this, that there are three things that are working against me as a believer and as a Christian. And you should write these down. These are really simple. Know your enemy. You got to know your enemy, right? If you're going into battle, you got to know who the enemy is, right? Nobody goes into battle without knowing who the enemy is. And if you do, you're not going to do very good in the battle. Am I right, David? Am I right? Okay. So know who the enemy is. Number one. Number one. The devil. Well, that's pretty self-explanatory, self right? We know as believers that, that he is the accuser of the brethren, and he wants nothing more, okay? His, his fate is sealed. It's already done. And he can't turn anything around, but you know what his desire is? Is to take as many people down with him. So, boy, you talk about evil. You talk about evil. So the devil is number one. Here's the second thing that I'm warring against. My flesh. 
my human nature, my weakness. Because I don't know about you, it takes work to get up and pray. It takes work to get up and read your Bible. It takes work to want to wanna do the things of God. My flesh is not always there. Are you guys with me? Have you ever been there? My flesh, and let me tell you this, my flesh is also weak when temptation comes. Because you know what? My earthly and my fleshly desires, they, they come from my flesh. And what I want is not always good. And that's where we have to be careful. And here's the third one, the world. And all three of those can leave you broken. All three of those can leave you broken. Verse 5 says this. I like this. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? That's rhetorical, just so you guys know. They say that God is passionate, that the spirit has placed within us uh, should be faithful to him. James 4, 5 in the New King James Version says this. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in, in us yearns jealous, jealously? Uh, the message says this, he is jealous for you. Did you know God is jealous for you? He loves you. And so what does that mean? You say, well, can I tell you this? The Holy Spirit wants what's best for you. He does. He does. That is, that is the ultimate goal of, of, of the Holy Spirit. He is a comforter. I'll give you an example. I'll just throw Zaylee under the bus because she's not in here. Okay. Say Zaylee came to me, okay, and she said, Dad, I want you to meet this guy that I want to marry. And I'm like, okay, who is this guy that you want to marry? And she says, oh, you're going to love him. He's the best. So then she brings this guy, and he pulls up, and he is on a Harley Davidson, number one. And he gets out, and he has a joint in his mouth. And when he gets off of that, he has, you know, just long, 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 crazy hair, and he's just big and burly. Okay, there's nothing wrong with bikers, okay? I'm just going to tell you that. I, I got a lot of friends that are bikers. And then he gets off, and he pulls his vest back, and he has a Playboy bunny shirt on. And he gets out, and he's like, hey, pastor. You know, my, as a dad, and some of you may, maybe can relate, as, as a dad, you're going to go, I love you, Zaylee, but I don't know if this is the best decision that you could make right now. And oftentimes, that's what the Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit's doing with us. And we think, hey, this, this is what I want, God. And God's like, and the Holy Spirit's like, hmm, man, there's something better for you. There's a better plan. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with bikers. Don't get me wrong. Just the ones that smoke joints and wear Playboy bunny shirts and all that good stuff. All right, anyway. All right. But this is what I know. When we grieve the spirit, it's not because we hurt him. And see, we need to understand something. It's not because we're hurting the spirit of God, but it's because he wants what's best for us. Any parent can relate to me. When a, when a child does what something that we already can tell is going to be terrible, but they do it anyways, as a parent, you grieve. And you're just like, man, been down that road. Don't, don't make that decision. I already made that decision. You try to tell them till, they're, till you're, you're blue in the face. And the Holy Spirit hurts for us when we don't choose the best path or direction in our lives. Verse 6 says this, and I like this. I like how he, he transcends and he goes, goes from, uh, you know, talking about this. But verse 6 says, and he gives grace generously. Thank you, God. When I make bad decisions, 
and I pick up cough drops, and I bring a biker home. <laughs> I don't know why I'm picking on bikers tonight. But God gives grace generously. As the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Even when I'm asking for the wrong thing. Some of you may be asking for a new job, and there's nothing wrong for asking for a new job. But maybe God's not going to give you a new job. Maybe God's working through a season where you're at. Maybe some of you are dreaming for a new home. And I say, hey, if God opens that door, walk through that door. Christine, she's she's saying, I received that blessing back there. And if you need to sell your house, that's the woman you need to see right there. (laughs) All right. but anyways, maybe you're, maybe you're dreaming of a new home, but maybe God's saying, hey, that's not the plan that I have for you at this moment. Okay, there's nothing wrong with those. And maybe at times, and, and, and you know, we're, we're grabbing for cough drops, and God's like, man, there's, there's such a better plan. I'll buy you some new candy. You don't have to eat the stuff that's on the parking lot. I've got something better for you. It's just, you know, I could have said, Zaley, if I'd known you wanted a piece of candy, we would have bought you something in Target. We would have got something for you there. Romans 5, uh, uh, um, God, God gives more grace to resist temptation and or to recover from the situation because where sin abounds, grace abounds more. So he gives grace under two things. I want you to understand this. Two things that God gives grace for. Number one, grace to resist temptation. Number one, that's the first thing. He gives grace to resist temptation and he gives grace to recover from a situation when we've made a when we fall into temptation, we've made a, a grave mistake. Grace to resist the temptation, grace to recover from falling to temptation. And you know what's cool about that? It's a win-win for me because if I, if I blow it, God's got grace for me. If I run away from the temptation, God's got grace for me. And that's where God gives grace so generously to you and to me. And I'm so happy for that. Are you happy for that? The, the principle for opposing the proud and grace to the humble, it's found seven times in Scripture, seven times in Scripture, three in the Old Testament and four in the New Testament. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you these. I'm not going to read all the Scriptures. I'm going to read some of these, but you can write these down. Psalms 138.6 is one. Proverbs 3.34 is one. Proverbs 29.23 is one. Matthew 23.12 is one. Luke 1.52. James 4.6. And 1 Peter 5.5, 5, I can repeat those, just so you know. Psalms 138.6, Proverbs 3.34, Proverbs 29.23, Matthew 23.12, Luke 1.52, James 4.6, and 1 Peter 5.5. 5. And just to give you a reference here, Proverbs 3.34 says this, Toward the scorners he is scornful. But to the humble, he gives favor. Humility cures worldliness, according to Galatians. And and one thing about humility is it's voluntary. It means that I'm going to have to work at it. Okay? Humility is something that I I have to do. It's voluntary. For me to be humble to the Lord, I I have to give it to him. You know what? And I'm going to give you something here. This, this, I hope this helps you out because this has helped me out. A barometer for pride in your life. You want to know a barometer for pride in your life? You want to know if there's pride in your life? 
everyone saying, I don't know if I do or I don't. I don't know. But if you want to know if there's the barometer for pride in your life, it's this. Um, and you say, oh, I'm not, I'm not cocky, TJ. I'm not arrogant. You know, and maybe you're not in nature, but can I tell you this? This is a key thing that it w- will determine if you have pride in your life, your prayer life. Your prayer life. Say, what do you, what do you mean by that? If you don't pray, listen, if you don't pray, you are indeed saying, God, I can control this situation and I don't need your help. And nothing says more pride than God, I don't need your help with this. I know that's a pretty stern word, but honestly, that is a great barometer uh, for how you're doing in your life. And if you're, if you're in your life, and I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, uh, you know, we're human and God gives us wisdom and we can, make, we can make decisions on our own. And we have to walk through those decisions, but we should also pray and say, hey, God, will you help me to make this decision? Lord, I, I don't want to do this just on my own. And it's a, it was a revelation to me in my life. Uh, that a lack of prayer is saying, God, I got this. I got this all on my own. I, I don't need your help. I don't need you to, to work on my behalf. But praying and depending on God is the ultimate form of humility. It's just saying, God, I don't have answers for this. So here you go. You said cast all my cares. Feels pretty good. I'm not going to worry about it anymore. It's, it's, it's on you, God. I can't do it on my own. And what a great way to walk in humility and I don't know about you but I need God and can I tell you something you need God 